New South Carolina offensive coordinator Dow Loggins spoke to the media and subsequently Gamecock country for the first time on Wednesday afternoon. How did he do? Our Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host, as always, Andrew Line, and I thank you once again for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first watch or listen here today. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. And we've got a lot to talk about regarding people who were talking to the media on Wednesday afternoon as Shane Beamer spoke to the media regarding the latest with the football team in lieu of preparations getting ready to get underway for the Gator Bowl. And new offensive coordinator Dal Loggins also spoke to the media for the first time and reporters were able to get a gauge of what kind of coach does he plan to be? What is sort of his philosophy in terms of on-field coaching and recruiting? What all can we expect and how did he do with his presser. I'm going to dive into all of that on today's show of Locked on Gamecocks. So let's start with the new offensive coordinator here in Columbia in Dow Loggins. In terms of what I thought regarding his performance at his press conference, I thought that Dow Loggins did quite well, all things considered. And when looking back and listening to Dow Loggins' press conference, there was a few specific things that stuck out to me here. Firstly, I thought that Dow Loggins really showed just how football smart he is as a coach. I've mentioned this before. I know that a lot of people, when the initial rumors started to trickle out that Dow Loggins was being looked at in South Carolina's offensive coordinator search, were not thrilled when they went and looked at the numbers specifically of all the different stops that he had as an offensive play caller in the NFL. But the thing is, the numbers are not just the absolute answer to just how good of a coach someone is in this profession. You have to look at a bunch of other different factors. And the simple fact that I have chosen to list out about Dow Loggins multiple times now on this show is the fact that Dow Loggins has actually spent more than 13 seasons in the NFL. He's been in the NFL for now up to 16 years, and he spent nine of those years as an offensive play caller. As I've mentioned already, you just do not survive the NFL that long and not be a good coach. That has to say something in terms of just how smart he is as a football coach. And I thought that he conveyed this with multiple points that he had during his press conference on Wednesday. He was asked about play calling between the college game and the professional game. What's sort of the difference between both levels? And what he pretty much said was that he doesn't feel like the play calling itself is different, but that the thing that is different that changes how a coordinator might call plays is the dimensions of the field, you know, where the hash marks are on the field, sort of the tempo that is used in college football. He referred to the college game as being pace and space, or space and pace, however you want to word it, a bunch yesterday when he was speaking on the mic. And quite honestly, he's correct in all this. He cares about little details within the game itself. 
He also believes that an offense should start with the quarterback's strengths. And this might be an obvious one, but there is times where, again, as you know, some of y'all would probably say you've seen now over the last couple of years, some coaches can overcomplicate things. And it doesn't seem like Dow Loggins is going to be that kind of coach. He cares a lot about a quarterback's emotional stability, their willingness to get better. And he mentioned that in terms of the burden of expectation, the SEC is just like the NFL. He said there's nothing like it when you're playing quarterback in this conference or at the highest level of football. And so that's something that he values greatly when he is recruiting prospects. And I'll get into his philosophy as a recruiter in just a couple of minutes. And the other thing that he said was he thinks that an offense's main goal needs to be creating pressure on an opponent. And he mentioned specifically trying to find the right matchups by moving your playmakers around, which should be music to Gamecock fans' ears. Again, after what all we saw the last couple of seasons. And of course, he also said that being in the NFL for so long, it helped him to learn you know, just how important verbiage is and differentiating the verbiage, not using as many words with play calls when you go to the college game because you have to think about what all the kids are going through off the field with classes and their personal life. So Dow Loggins, to put it bluntly, he gets it. And it seems like that in terms of a, you know, worry about an adjustment here, being a play caller in the college game, I don't think that's going to be a problem here with Dow Loggins. The other thing, it seems like that Dow Loggins is truly bought into what Shane Beamer is doing. This is the one specific quote that I will mention from the press conference yesterday because I thought it was quite profound what all he said here. Regarding coming here, he said, I've gotten to the point in my career where I could be very picky with my jobs. And at this point, you start picking people. What you guys started with in week two when Arkansas played South Carolina to how you finished, there was something special about this place and this culture. And that goes back to Coach Beamer. And that's what really enticed me with this job, where it's like something special is going on there, and I want to be a part of it. He mentioned Coach Beamer multiple times and the culture he has built here. And he said that, you know, the culture is one of the most important things in an organization, in a program, and that if you got the right culture, then more often than not, everything else is going to fall right into place, especially if you're willing to work to establish that culture as well. And then the last thing that stuck out to me about Dow Loggins in his introductory press conference as South Carolina's new offensive play caller is the fact that when it comes to recruiting, he looks at recruiting in terms of building relationships, not as much trying to sell a kid something, because he said that, you know, when you talk to 18 and 22 year old kids and their families, he said these days kids are smart enough to see through all the fake fluff that a coach can throw at them when they're sitting on their couch at home. He said kids can read through that and they can also tell whether or not you truly believe in what you're saying. And so you have to be in a program where you are fully bought into what all is going on inside the building, what all you are building up towards for the future. So Dow Loggins, in terms of recruiting, he's not somebody that's just, again, going to be your orthodox, you know, going to come in there. I'm going to throw out all these numbers at you. We've got this many championship titles. We've got, you know, this many Heisman Trophy winners. We've had this many first-round draft picks at this position. All that stuff is great. And, you know, you can use that to supplement your pitch, of course. And I'm sure that, you know, every recruiter is going to do that in some fashion. But it's not the end-all, be-all for every single kid. These kids are going to come to play for you for the next three to four years, maybe five years of their life. 
you know, and the parents of those kids are entrusting you to be looking after their best interests and to develop them holistically. Can you do that? And I think that Dow Loggins, based on his answers and what he said in this press conference, is that kind of man and is that kind of recruiter and coach where he is going to do that with everyone that plays for him. So Dow Loggins, he gets it, is what I'm trying to get at here. He gets it when it comes to recruiting. He gets it when it comes to the culture here. And it seems like that was a big reason why he came here. And I really think that he showed on Wednesday He's not just some moron when it comes to football. He's not. He is someone who has really studied and put in the time and effort in terms of learning the game. And I think that that was really important for some fans to see with his Wednesday press conference. So, again, I think that Dow Loggins nailed this introductory press conference. I don't think he could have done really any better, all things considered. And I think it's going to be really exciting to see how all of these recruits and players react to you know getting to know Dow Lawkins again, both as a coach and as a person, and what all he could offer for this team heading into 2023. Now, the crazy thing is, once again, this might not be the biggest story for certain media outlets. For some people, one of the biggest stories from yesterday was not Dow Lawkins being introduced as a new OC, but what Shane Beamer did before Dow Lawkins even came up to the podium. And I'm going to dive into all of that in just a few moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. But before I do that, I do want to let y'all know that today's show is brought to you by our friends over at the NHTSA or National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Now, obviously, football season has come to a close as far as the regular season is concerned. We're now getting into the crux of bowl season, which is getting ready to start. Basketball season is now in the swing of things. And so you might still be tailgating with your friends and family, which, of course, means that there's going to probably be some beverages that are going to be had. And as the festivities come to a close and your friends and family start to head on home, you might think about calling for a ride. But then you think about it and you say you live nearby. You can make it home okay because you don't think it's really a big deal. Maybe it's just two, three, four minutes away from where you are. What are the odds you get pulled over anyways? Even so, what's the worst that can happen? Maybe your insurance goes up. You lose your license. Maybe you lose your job. Maybe you total your car. Or maybe you hurt or kill someone. Everyone knows about the risk of driving drunk because the results are tragic and often deadly. But that doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence, which is why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few too many drinks, please think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride from a friend or an Uber. Anything but getting behind the wheel inebriated. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Welcome back to this Thursday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. I want to thank y'all once again for making Locked On Gamecocks your first listen or watch today. For your next listen or watch, I would like for you to go check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, where the biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day all take place. The Locked On Sports Today podcast is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. Now, Dow Loggins, 
was not the only coach that spoke to the media on Wednesday afternoon. Shane Beamer, as a matter of fact, spoke before Dow Loggins ever took the podium. And let's just say uh, Shane Beamer took the proverbial gloves off yesterday. He really and truthfully did. And I'll get into the crux of what all he said in just a few moments. But basically, Shane Beamer addressed a lot of the criticisms that have been aimed at him and the program recently and some of the concerns that some fans have had regarding some players leaving from the transfer portal and, you know, the hiring process and eventual hire of Dow Loggins, a lot of different things. And Shane Bimmer seems like just walked into the media room on Wednesday and pretty much just decided, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and get out in front of all of this and we're just going to address it right here and right now. And overall, I think that Coach Beamer was well within his right to go off like he did on Wednesday. And at the same time, I don't think his frustration is purely based off of the events of the last two weeks or so. We've talked about this before on this show, so I'll try to keep this a little bit short. But we've talked about the mentality of the chicken curse that does admittedly exist in a certain faction of South Carolina's fan base. And when I say the chicken curse... In essence, I'm pretty much talking about how it seems like bad events are just primed to happen in Columbia. That's essentially what the mentality of the chicken curse encompasses, is basically when something good happens, two bad things are going to happen. When three good things happen, four bad things are going to happen. That's essentially what it is. And Shane Beamer has addressed this before on multiple occasions. And the most recent occasion, I believe, was after the Gamecocks went up to Nashville and defeated the Vanderbilt Commodores, where, of course, he had to find some joy comment as well, which he went back and said that he was directing at, again, certain fans. But I believe in the same press conference, he also mentioned that, you know, he believes the fan base has got to get past this notion that, you know, bad things are just bound to happen with South Carolina football and that there is no curse. That's just not the way that these things work. And the thing about the fans who do go on social media and who do fire off a bunch of critical statements towards Shane Beamer and towards the program itself, I think that a part of the reason some of these fans do this and aim this vitriol at Coach Beamer is because of their inner feelings about Coach Beamer's potential here and what all he could do for the program. I think that if you ask like 95 out of 100 Gamecock fans, What do you think Shane Beamer could do here? What do you think his ceiling is? I think that 95 out of 100 fans would sit there and tell you they think that Shane Beamer could win championships here. I really and truthfully believe that. Now, the thing is, some people, when they have that kind of expectation set on a particular coach or on a particular person, they're going to therefore be more harsh, more critical whenever they feel like that person maybe, I guess, isn't doing the best job. Maybe they make what they perceive in their minds to be a bad decision or something just doesn't go right. And because he's the head man, he's going to be the scapegoat for it. You know, you you didn't work hard enough in this recruitment and that's why this kid just left. Or you didn't talk to these kids enough during the season or, you know, you didn't utilize them enough. I think that's a big reason why a good amount of this backlash took place over the last couple weeks is because people know what he could do here. And so anything they perceive to be negative, they're going to have a stronger reaction to. And, of course, when Shane Beamer was addressing all this, he started off with, you know, look, you got to realize we have been really successful this year. 
We went 8-4 this season, trumping national expectations once again. We're finishing the season as a nationally ranked team. We're going to the Gator Bowl, one of the most prestigious and historic bowl games in the bowl season. We ended the streak against Clemson. We won two straight games against top 10 opponents in Tennessee and Clemson. Became one of the seventh team in college football history to accomplish that feat while being unranked. You know, he threw all that out there to remind people, like, look, it's okay to look back and say, wow, this team has accomplished a lot this year. Now, does that mean that he is satisfied, of course, with where they're at? No, and that's the point that I think he tries to get across whenever he brings all this up. And I'm pretty sure he follows up these statements with saying something like that. But it seems like that some people, just some, block that part out. And, of course, when talking about transfers, there's no getting around it. South Carolina has lost a few contributors that especially in the case of Jaheim Bell and Marshawn Lloyd, they are really going to miss next season. There's no question about that. No matter how you feel about, you know, Marshawn Lloyd's injury history or Jaheim Bell and the utilization, maybe, you know, some of the stuff that's gone on social media from his side of things, no matter how you feel about all that, you have to at least acknowledge it's going to leave a hole in a certain aspect of the offense for next year. But the thing is, there is a good chance that South Carolina, based on Shane Beamer's short history here, is going to find some guys to fill in the gaps. Whether it means that you get one or two guys that can match that level of talent, or you get multiple guys that can fill it in. There does need to be an inherent trust level that that is going to happen. The reason why that probably hasn't happened yet is because, quite honestly, the December calendar for college football right now is just so screwed up. It's not even funny. I could talk for days on end just how bad it is. Transfer portal recruiting, high school recruiting, bowl prep, having to recruit your current players on the roster. It is ridiculous what coaches have to deal with right now. But players like tight end C.J. Dupree, Cornerback Tony Grimes, tight end Trey Knox, and others are out there for the taking. South Carolina won't get all of them, but they're bound to get at least some of those guys, and including some guys that are going to help and start for the team probably next year. And of course, he also went on to defend the hired Dow Loggins, which was the main, I think, issue that a lot of fans had the last week and a half or so, where he pretty much mentioned, like, look, guys, I talked to multiple people. It's not like this job opened up. And the first thing I did was just call Dow Loggins up and say, hey, I'm offering you the job right here and there. Marcus Satterfield literally just walked out the door like five minutes ago. You want to come? Yes or no? It's not like he did that. He vetted multiple guys. He mentioned that there was current coordinators in the NFL that reached out to him, current Power 5 coordinators that reached out to him, sitting head coaches that reached out to him. And yet when some of y'all hear that and you see this hire, you sit there and you, you almost, you act like he's just lying to your face. Why would he make that up? I mean, really, with the way that Shane Beamer has been up to this point, what gives you the idea that he would make that part up? Seriously. And he also went on to say, look, Dow Loggins has a really long history with some great coaches and players. Pro Football Hall of Fame coach Bill Parcells, former Saints head coach Sean Payton, Super Bowl champion, current 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan, former Gamecock and NFL players and Alshon Jeffrey and Connor Shaw, former NFL coach John Fox, college football Hall of Fame coach Sylvester Kroon, current Penn State head coach James Franklin. Dow Loggins has worked with a lot of really, really sound football minds. Some of the best to ever do it, especially in their era. Who does that sound like? That sounds like Shane Beamer to me. When you look at the list of coaches he worked under before he got this opportunity. So 
you can't sit there and look at everything that's happened in the past and just use that to assume what all is going to happen in the future with Dow Loggins. That, I think, was the main driving point that Schindler was trying to get across on Wednesday. And quite frankly, I think he was just fed up with everything that had been said. I don't view it as him being thin-skinned. I think that he was well within his rights. I don't think he really made any personal attacks against anybody. I think pretty much at this point, he just wanted to make it known that, like, look, I listen and I hear and I see all this stuff. I'm not an idiot. I see what all you post on social media, what all you people are saying online. So that was what Shane Bimmer did at his press conference on Wednesday and certainly got a lot of people's attention what all he had to say regarding the Dow Loggins hire and all the recent transfers and everything that's been taking place recently at South Carolina. Now, South Carolina did take the hardwood on the men's basketball side Wednesday night and faced a really good UAB Blazers team that is led by head coach Andy Kennedy. And things did not go so well in Birmingham. So what all happened during the basketball game that led to the final result? I'm going to dive into that in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. But first, I do want to also let y'all know that today's show is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball, soccer, and even esports. Bet Online has got it all. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at Bet Online as well. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix in. So head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more because BetOnline BetOnline is where the game starts. Welcome back to today's edition of the Locked On Game Pouch Podcast, where we cover your team every single day in just 30 minutes. All right, so South Carolina faced off against Jordan Walker, Jordan Jelly Walker, I should call him, because quite frankly, he has earned that nickname, and the UAB Blazers on Wednesday night, and they wound up losing this game 84-70. to And because it was only a 14-point score differential at the end, It sounds like the Gamecocks sort of kept things interesting, at least, right? Well, the thing is, they really didn't. This game, quite honestly, just got away from South Carolina around the end of the first half, and throughout the entirety of the second half, the Gamecocks were pretty much trying to play catch-up, and they just weren't actually able to catch up to UAB by the end of the night. UAB on offense, I mean, the best way to pretty much explain it is South Carolina... They are very inconsistent in terms of their positioning defensively. There are certain possessions where South Carolina plays everything perfectly in terms of staying in front of guys, not giving them certain leverage advantages on the low block or wherever they end up being at on the court, whether the top of the key or the wing or the corner slot. And they end up just dominating the possession. They get themselves a solid rebound and they have a chance to get a good transition bucket on the offensive side. And you sit there and go, that looks like what an SEC basketball team should look like. And then you have other possessions where UAB pretty much is not even really having to run a complicated set play. They pretty much just have a guard maybe driving in towards the rack. Someone, of course, leaves their man to help out when the guard drives near the rim. And 
The guard just dishes it off to his teammate who is wide open on the other side. Nobody accounts for him. Nobody even tries to get a hand up, and it's an easy layup or dunk. And that goes back to inconsistent weak side rotations and, again, players being at certain points just caught on their heels. South Carolina is going to be a good defensive team in about two, three years with Lamont Paris. When he gets his guys in there and his system has been in place for a couple of seasons for guys to digest. But right now, until it gets to that point, you're going to see nights like this a lot against teams that have multiple scoring threats. For UAB, it pretty much was Jelly Walker, who I've never seen a kid start off so hot like he did at the start of the game, hitting three straight three-pointers, and one of them turned to a four-point play because of a foul by Michi Johnson. And then I believe it was um, Kyle Buffin, I want to say, one of their other players on the court who was like six foot eight, starting at the two or three, and just constantly was finding a way to get near the rim, had great touch with his shots, which um, is something that South Carolina's front court unfortunately lacks. And that's the other thing. South Carolina is very reliant right now on a few main players in Michi Johnson, Gigi Jackson, and Hayden Brown. I throw in Chico Carter in there as well because there is times where Chico does a great job in terms of his three-point shooting, and that's all well and good because that definitely helps out the team when he is cooking back there. The problem with Chico, however, is that he's not necessarily a guy that's going to more often than not be able to create his own shot. He can, but it's just not at a consistent enough rate to where you can just bank on just letting him play some iso ball and he'll find a way to give himself an open look. That's just not Chico's game. Chico's game is, look, you know, no matter what happens on the court, whether it's unorganized chaos or a set play, I'm going to be able to stand right here. You pass me the rock. I can shoot up that ball, and it will go right on through the net and barely, if not, touch the rim at all. That is Chico's game. So Chico has to have things set up for him. Gigi Jackson can create his own shot. This is one of these games where Gigi, quite honestly, he just had a rough night in terms of the ball just wasn't going through the basket. I mean, he had some open looks that he created for himself, and he's working really hard, I believe, on trying to sort of diversify the moves that he has in his arsenal. Because at the beginning of the season, he was only using like one or two different dribble moves from the top of the key. And guys are going to key in on that at some point, even at the college game. But Gigi is getting better in that aspect. Wednesday night, the shots just didn't fall for him. you know. And he's going to have games like that. The important aspect for him now will be... Coming into Saturday against East Carolina, how does he bounce back from that? Does he let that rest on his mind, or does he, you know, wipe that clean from his memory and move on from it? He's a 17-year-old, true freshman, playing college basketball. So a lot of times, it's the emotional and mental aspect that you got to worry about the most with those kind of guys. Uh, Hayden Brown. Hayden wasn't able to make as much of an impact as he has in a lot of games this season. You know, he still hit. He hit a couple good three-point shots. He really wasn't able to make as much of an impact as probably this team would have liked near the basket. And that's not to say that that's on him, because Hayden Brown, I believe, is 6'5", 6'6". And there's sometimes, a lot of times actually, where he's asked to pretty much play the four spot. Which means that he's giving up like three, four inches in height at times against certain players. And UAB actually had some pretty good size to their starting line. I think they had three different guys who were at least six foot seven or taller that were playing for him on Wednesday night. So with Hayden Brown, the thing with him is, you know, I think that for South Carolina to be successful in a way offensively, 
They have to find a way to get Hayden Brown near the basket and give him some one-on-one opportunities. Because the thing is, Hayden Brown has shown in multiple games now this year, he can be quite savvy in terms of being able to create his own look. Being able to shake his defender loose just long enough to give himself enough space. And make some really tough angled shots. He has shown a propensity to do this. Wednesday night, South Carolina just wasn't able to really get that to happen offensively. And when you combine all those factors, along with the fact that the front court for South Carolina, to be quite honest, outside of Gigi Jackson and Hayden Brown when they're playing that four spot, there's just not a whole lot more offensive help there. I'm just going to be honest. There just isn't. Those guys are mainly going to be players that, you know, you know they're going to play hard, which is obviously very important. And you know that they're going to, at times, offer you a lot in terms of their defense and their rebounding. But offensively, is going to be a struggle in that regard. Uh, South Carolina, if they have a couple guys who are having off nights, unfortunately, right now, it hurts them big time. And it shows up in games like this against a really good team in UAB who, look, you look at the school and you say, that's a bad loss. UAB is probably going to make the tournament this year. I think they made it last year as well and faced... Houston in a 5-12 matchup in the first round. They're a very good basketball program again because of what Andy Kennedy, who was the former coach at Ole Miss, is doing there right now. So, tough loss for South Carolina. They're going to have to find a way to bounce back from that on Saturday when they take on East Carolina neutral site game. They're going to have to get better about, you know, getting off to better starts on the road or in unfamiliar environments. So, that's going to be a unique challenge for them on Saturday and trying to bounce back from this tough defeat. With that being said, that's going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope that y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show. As always, what were your thoughts on Dow Loggins' first press conference in front of the Gamecock media? What all did you think about the answers and some of the things that he said in his presser? What did you think about Shane Beamer's, I guess, quote-unquote rant that he gave in his opening statement covering everything that's been going on in recent weeks with all the criticism that's been directed at him and the program? And what do you think about Lamont Paris' team right now? Do you think that progress is being made, even if the results maybe aren't showing that right now? Let me know all of your thoughts down below in the comments section if you're watching today's show on YouTube, or shoot me a message at A-Line underscore SC on Twitter, and I'll try to respond to it as quickly as I see it. And again, don't forget to make Locked On Sports Today your second listen or watch now that you have watched or listened to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. Thank y'all once again for tuning into today's show. I hope that y'all have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast.